Well, good morning. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are so glad that you are here. I just want to let you know that we um, are walking through a sermon series through the book of James. Our, Our series title is A Faith That Works. Our sermon title this morning is A Faith at Works. And, uh, you know, of all the sermons that I've had the opportunity to preach here over the past um, five or six years, I'm going to tell you this morning that this is probably one of the most important messages that I've ever preached. Because this is going to be a message that not only are we going to walk through the Word, but we're going to have some tangible takeaways this morning, a challenge to every single member of this church to go and to do. And so, Back in the fall, we walked through our sermon series, Vision 2020, and there we looked at um, what we believe as a church and what we value as a church, and our message point this morning um, is, is, is this, it is what we do, what we do as a church. This message is a message calling every single one of us in this room to action. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to begin um, verse 19 and walk through verse 25 together. So, James chapter 1, beginning of verse 19, and we'll conclude with verse 25. This is what the word of the Lord says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray together. Father, once again this morning, Lord, we ask that you will just help every one of us in this room, Father, receive your word well. Father, give us ears to hear this morning. Help us to hear your word and be transformed by your word, and leave here as men, women, students, and children ready to do your word. Just be with us now, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Notice our first point. Hopefully everybody got a bulletin this morning. Notice our first point this morning. It is this, hear the word. Verse 19 again says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This um, past Wednesday would have been my mom's 70th birthday. And, you know, I miss my mom. Uh, you know, as, as those of you who have lost loved ones, you miss those that you love. Um, yeah, I miss my mom, but there are so many great stories and memories that I have of my mom that I can just cherish um, on a daily basis. And one of those memories um, is this. My mom had a condition. Okay, um, it was a hearing condition, and I'm not sure if it was selective hearing, or if it was um, a, a, a hereditary hearing problem that she had. My wife would say it was hereditary because I got it, but my mom, she was the queen of huh, 
What was that? What did you say? Speak up. And this was when she's in her 30s and 40s, okay? Uh, So this wasn't on the latter part of her life. It was right in the midst of her life. And so I think it was selective hearing. But um, we always threatened my mom that we were going to buy her this thing called the Whisper 2000. How many of you remember the Whisper 2000? Okay, Um, well, we actually bought her one of those, and she was absolutely livid with us whenever we got it for her. What the Whisper 2000 does is it enhances your ability to hear things. And so as I was preparing for this morning's message, I went back to YouTube, and I found the original commercial for the Whisper 2000. Let's watch that together this morning. Listen, listen carefully. This man is using an amazing electronic breakthrough that lets him hear a pin drop across the room. It's the Whisper 2000. Gives you the astonishing experience of super hearing. No more embarrassing complaints when you watch TV. With Whisper 2000, you don't have to turn up the volume. It's hard to hear in the backseat of the car. Now sit back and talk comfortably. Can you hear me back there? Loud and clear. Disguised as a pocket-type radio, you can actually hear a whisper across the room. He's so good looking. Use Whisper 2000 in theaters. You'll hear every word clearly, comfortably. Similar devices sell for $60, but it's yours now for just $19.95. Here's how to order. To order, have your credit card ready and call to 1-800-767-40. How many of you would admit to having a Whisper 2000? Anybody? Y'all remember those, though? I mean, what those things did is they enhanced your hearing ability. But um, my mom wasn't too happy with us when we got that for her. But, but this morning, let's continue to walk through our, our outline. But James tells us this morning to be quick to hear. Hear the word quickly. What does that mean? Have you ever listened so intently to something that you actually found yourself on the edge of your seat? You know, that's the picture here. Of, of listening intently, hearing quickly. It's, a, it's that idea that we hear the Word of God as it's preached, as it's shared, in such a way that we're captivated by every word that is spoken. You know, it'd be similar to, you know, I've had um, the unfortunate privilege, um, I don't want to call it a privilege, but I've been in a lot of hospital rooms, um, with my own family as well as church member families, and the doctor walks into the room. And when that doctor walks into the room, it doesn't matter what conversation is being had in that room, all of a sudden, all eyes and all ears are directed at that doctor. Why is that? Because what that doctor has to say is important. What that doctor has to say um, usually has to do with the individual's prognosis as well as their treatment. And so we listen intently because we want to know how do we get better or how can our loved one get better. Well, the, the idea here this morning is the exact same thing. We listen to the Word of God so intently that we listen so that we can figure out how do I get better. How as a believer do I get stronger? How as a believer do I grow deeper in my relationship with the Lord? You you and I should hear the Word of God just like um, we would if a doctor is sharing with us. Let me ask you this question this morning. Um, How many of you go into your growth group rooms or your Sunday school rooms on Sunday morning um, with that kind of eagerness? 
sitting at the feet of the teaching of God's Word, trying um, to do everything that you can to listen intently so that you can grow up. How about coming into this room? Do you come in here hoping and believing that you are going to be changed by the Word of God? What about during your daily devotions? Do you read God's Word and listen to God's Word with such eagerness that you um, are, are prepared to be changed by it? Or what about when you pray? Do you pray with listening ears? We are to be quick to listen when it comes to God's Word. Notice next, we are to be slow to speak. We are to speak the word purposely. What does this mean to be slow to speak? To be slow to speak means to think before you speak. How many of you have a problem like I do with word vomiting sometimes? You just open up your mouth and all of a sudden all these words come out that you never intended to come out. Okay, it happens to me quite often. And, and someone once said, the Lord gave you two ears and one mouth because he wants you to listen twice as much as you speak. Pretty good word of wisdom right there. Proverbs 10, 19 says, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. There is wisdom in thinking before you speak or wisdom in, in, in thinking before you send out an email or a text or post on some kind of social media out there. You know, there's wisdom in that, isn't there? Um, this, this past week, I came across a note that a young child wrote to his teacher. Okay, and, and I want to tell you this now, okay, this is a little bit graphic, all right, but, but listen to these words, okay? Dear Mrs. James, I am angry with you because you took 25 of my hummingbird bucks all because I was talking to Connor, okay? Now, let me tell you, first of all, my son's name is Connor. Connors will always get you in trouble, okay? This little boy should have known that right away, all right? So here we go. And he goes on to write, that is no big deal because I am only six and I can't be quiet all the time. That makes you a thief and a crook and you are going to hell. Oh, it gets better. The burning one, because you are a thief. I worked hard for those bucks, and my only prayer in chapel was that God gets you to hell fast, super fast. And your new hair today is bad, real bad. Signed, Isaiah. You know, I'm not sure if that kid was remorseful when he wrote that, but I'll guarantee you his parents were mortified. And there's going to come a day whenever that's going to be used against him, all right? James was writing to a group of people that most likely spoke without thinking. So here's a picture of that early church. The early church wasn't set up like this. Okay, our churches set up today are, you know, we're forward-focused. I mean, it's kind of really set up in, in, in so that we can be entertained, isn't it? So we can be entertained by the worship, entertained by the preaching. But that early church was not set up like this. The early church would have happened in homes. And so people probably gathered around the table to study God's Word, or they gathered in living rooms, probably in a circular setting. And so as God's Word was being shared or preached, um, 
sometimes those um, can be, the speakers can be speaking, and all of a sudden, someone adds to the conversation. And that addition is given without thought. The people spoke against what was being preached oftentimes, and as a result of their addition to the conversation, um, what they were doing is they were given their preference of what God's Word should say as opposed to um, really understanding what God's Word um, would say. And so they're, they're, they're like, as the preaching is going on, it'd be like one of you this morning say, hey, what you just said is wrong, Okay. You need to correct yourself right now. And whether it was right or wrong, they were just interjecting. So James is saying to the church, think before you speak. Choose your words wisely and purposely. Notice next, be slow to anger. Handle the word peacefully. Have you ever said something only to be confronted after? Has that ever happened to you? You know, I'll assure you that I've been preaching long enough that I've had people come up to me after a sermon on a Sunday morning. I'll be over here in the corner. They'll come up to me, and they will seek to correct me. They will say things like, why did you say that? You know, what you said this morning was pretty insensitive. Or why in the world would you ever quote that person? That person's a heathen. Or, or, or why did you say this? You should have actually said this which would have been in proper context. And, you know, they don't come to me all the time in love, or the emails that I may get are not always in love. They come kind of with a chip on their shoulder. And all of us have been there. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you, there probably are times that I say things incorrectly up here. I may um, translate God's Word wrong, and if that happens, please correct me. But please correct me in love, okay? Don't come throwing stones at me because I won't throw stones at you either. You know, someone said, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Pretty good words there, isn't it? Here's reality. Not everyone wants to hear the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. So instead of receiving the word as truth, they have made that which is true untrue in order to benefit their narrative. Have you ever known anybody like that? Have you ever known anybody that, that has sought to normalize God's word and, and try to make something that God said as being abnormal, normal? Now, I think all of us have been there, right? I mean, you turn the television on. Um, there are churches on every corner. Not everybody agrees the same. There are reasons that there's a church on every corner because there was a, a fight sometimes that happened and there was a split that occurred. And a lot of times those splits occur over doctrine. Sometimes those splits, though, occur because of interpretation issues on, on what someone may have normalized when God intended it to mean what he said. So, James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you and I confront another person out of anger, God isn't honored by that, is he? It doesn't produce righteousness in us. It doesn't help us be in right standing with God. Notice next, hide God's word purposely in your lives. In verses Verse 21, we read, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant 
wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James begins by writing, therefore. The therefore is pointing back to everything that James has already talked about from James chapter 1 up until James chapter 21. What he says next has implications for all of us in this room. He just said that anger does not produce righteousness. You know what else does not produce righteousness? A filthy and rampant wickedness lifestyle either. Here's what James is acknowledging when he writes to all believers. He's acknowledging that all of us in this room, all of those that he wrote to were sinners, right? Every single day we make mistakes. Every single day we probably give in to the flesh when we know that we shouldn't. We wrestle with filth in our lives. We wrestle with doing wicked things. We wrestle with with getting angry. We wrestle with lust and covetousness and other things on a daily basis. And if we do not guard ourselves against those things, then we'll find ourselves wrestling with one or more of those things. So what are some tips? Tip number one is this, guard your tongue. In Ephesians 4.29, we read, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Think before you speak, and usually if we think before we speak, there's a better chance of wholesomeness coming out of our mouth as opposed to unwholesomeness. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes against the the, the evil things that Satan is trying to bombard us with. Second Timothy 2.22 we read, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee those things. When Satan presents us with an image that we know we shouldn't look at, don't give in, flee from it. Also, James provides a solution for the believer, and that is pursue righteousness. A solution to combating the flesh is this. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That's what James wrote here. When we hear the word and when we receive the word and we allow it to take root in our lives. I mean, think about the implanted word. When the implant, we allow the word to get into us, that word has a tendency to, to develop roots, right? It kind of gets in us, all throughout us. And whenever that root word begins to be rooted in us, it's going to begin to grow out of us. And as it grows out of us, guess what's going to happen? We're going to begin to bear fruit. Lives are going to be impacted by the gospel through the word that is in us. Thomas Jefferson, um, one pastor shared this illustration about Thomas Jefferson, but Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian. He was a deist. He believed in a supreme being, but he did not necessarily believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that he wasn't a great leader. He was a great leader, but he wasn't a believer. In his home, under a glass, is a copy of his Bible. And if you've ever seen this, you know that there are parts from his Bible that he actually um, cut out. And you can kind of see up here. And the portions of his Bible that he didn't agree with, he would just cut those out. Like miracles, he didn't believe in miracles. So he cut that portion out. He didn't believe in the resurrection. You know, if you were to look at his Bible, Jesus is still in the grave today. He cut that portion out. And there were other portions of his Bible that he also cut out. What he did was he took a penknife and he cut out those parts of his Bible. 
Here's the truth. We are not to cut on this word, are we? This word is to cut on us. Is that right? God's word is to cut on us. We are not to cut on it. Notice our next point. It's this. Obey the word. In verse 22, we read, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When I think about being doers of the word, for some reason, my my mind just thinks of Nike, their slogan, just do it. That's a great slogan for God's word. Just do it. Stop rationalizing it. Stop trying to make God's word say what you want it to say. Just do it. Put it into practice is what James is telling us here. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many Bibles do you own? Think for a second about all of the different Bibles that you have lying around your house, okay? And, and I'm kind of ashamed to say this. This morning, I went back and I counted the number of Bibles that I have in my office, Okay, now some of these Bibles I've just collected over the years. Somebody has left them lying around the church and they ended up in my office. But, but I went around this morning just counting those on my bookshelf. I have 29 Bibles in my office. That doesn't count the number of Bibles that I have at home. I've got too many Bibles. And here's the crazy thing about Bibles today. I don't need a physical Bible um, uh, to, to read from God's Word on a daily basis because of smartphones, because of tablets, because of computers. I literally have access to every translated version of the Bible that has ever been, um, been, been written, thanks to the digital world that we live in today. When James wrote this epistle, no one had access to the Word except for key leaders. That means the only way someone was going to receive the word was if they heard the word preached and shared. You know, there have been many great inventions throughout human history. But I'm going to tell you now that there has never been one more consequential than the printing press. Now, the computer today, probably so. But back in the day, the printing press was probably the most important invention ever. Why? Because the printing press provided a way for every man, woman, student, and child across this globe to have access to the Word of God if it had been translated in their language. Well, when James wrote this letter, he is instructing the church to not just hear the Word with their ears, but to do the Word, to put the Word into practice. You and I must stop being professional listeners and begin to become doers of the word. One commentator um, wrote these words, you have not really listened to the word if you have not obeyed the word. The bottom line is that the word evokes action. And if there is no action from the word, then clearly there has been no acceptance of the word. This is the essence of faith. And went on to write, James 2 describes saving faith in more depth. But even here in chapter 1, we see this reality. Those who have accepted Jesus obey Jesus. Those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior in their lives obey Jesus and do what he has called us to do. James goes on and he illustrates this passage passage for us. In verses 23 and 24, we read, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. How many of you this morning woke up and looked in the mirror and just said to yourself, man, I look good. Anybody do that this morning? I'm not saying I did that because I didn't do that. All right. But some of you, I know you did. Um, and, and, you know, one of, my, one of these guys I know that did was, was Joel here, man. When you looked in the mirror this morning, you thought, man, I look good. I, com- I complimented him this morning because he got a haircut and trimmed his beard a little bit. And I didn't realize um, yesterday that he got a hair, um, haircut because we were at Dallas Life together and he had a hairnet on his head with a hat. So I couldn't see that very well. Mr. George, when you woke up this morning, what did you think? I got to go back to bed because you were having a bad hair day this morning, weren't you? Yeah, I was having a bad hair day this morning as well. But sometimes in life, we wake up and and we look in the mirror and we're like, yeah, I look all right. I'm good. Let's go. But then we get to our destination and we realize that, man, I had a hair out of place. Or you get to your destination and you're like, man, I didn't blend all of my makeup in. Or how many of you have ever cut yourself shaving and not notice it, and you get to work and, and you actually have a little bit of blood that's coming down your face? You know, why, why is that? Why do we get to places and realize, man, I didn't, you know, I don't look right? Because we didn't intently look in the mirror that morning and, and examine ourselves very well. well. What James is talking about here is there are times in our lives when it comes to God's Word where we look at God's Word, but we don't go any further than just looking at it. We read it, and then we walk away unchanged by it. And James is telling us, and he's pleading with us here, he's saying, don't just look at the Word, but look into the Word and allow the Word of God to change you. In 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, we read of why this Word is valuable to us. We read all through it. We see why it's valuable, Okay. Don't get me wrong there. But understand um, these words that James is, is saying, I mean that Timothy um, is receiving from the Apostle Paul. But 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does God's Word do? It corrects us. God's Word strengthens us. God's Word reveals to us things that we need to get rid of. It helps us to get our, our lives right with God so that we can put into practice what God is calling us to do. James, go, James goes on and speaks of the person who looks rightly into the Word as opposed to that person that just glances over the Word. And this is the person that, that, that looks rightly at God's Word. This person experiences a blessed life. They are blessed by the Word. In verse 25, we read, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This man is different. The person that looks into God's Word and actually looks to be changed by it, their lives are different. The person that does not just glance at the Word, this person looks into the perfect Word of God and they are changed by it. This word, look into, that is used here, 
is also the word that describes Peter when Peter looked into the tomb. And, and Scripture says in Luke 24, 12, but Peter rose after hearing of Jesus' resurrection. Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. So here's Peter. Peter gets word that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He gets word that what Jesus said would happen actually happened. And what does Peter do? Peter runs. I bet you he sprinted with all of his might to that tomb. And he got down. And he didn't just kind of poke his head in and walk back. No, he got down. He stooped down. And he looked inside of that tomb. And you know what he didn't see? He didn't see Jesus, did he? He saw a bunch of linen cloths is all. He, 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 that day, left there, Scripture says, marveling at what had happened. Peter, that day, was changed by the Word of God, wasn't he? He was changed because Jesus, what he said would happen, actually happened. And here's the reality for all of us in this room this morning. We can glance over God's Word and be unchanged by it. Or we can look intently at God's Word, and as a result of that, we can be forever changed by it. I read this passage in Matthew 7, 24 through 27 when we started this morning, but I want to just read verse, um, the first couple of verses again. Jesus said this. He spoke to those who hear the Word, okay, and receive the Word, what will happen. He said, everyone that... He, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock, the rock of Jesus. God's word is the rock. And when we take God's word and we study God's word and we put God's word into action, guess what? Lives are changed. Our lives are changed as well as the lives of those that we do life with with. You know, this morning as we conclude our time together, um, under point number two, you'll see um, in your bulletin, Vision 2020, okay? Um, There are some challenge, some tangible challenges that I want to share with you this morning, okay? And, And these are goals that I want us to have as a church, They're not going to be manipulated. They're going to be celebrated. If we reach them at the end of the year, praise the Lord. If we don't reach them at the end of the year and we know that we gave everything we had to reach them, praise the Lord. Okay? But these goals come directly from God's Word, directly um, from from verses like Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8 and such. But Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we read these words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, we've had goals as a church since I've been here, but one thing that we haven't ever had really is numerical goals, and, and I'm not a big numbers person, okay? I know numbers matter. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers, so we know numbers matter and numbers are significant, But here's what we also know about numbers. Numbers do represent people, represents lost people and saved people. We've been called to take the gospel to all people, right? So here's three goals that I want us to have this year, 
Okay, once again, these are not going to be manipulated. These are going to be celebrated. Goal number one, what I would love to see us as a church experience this year is 20 salvations. How cool would that be? If at the end of the year, we celebrate knowing that 20 people accepted Christ as a result of the work of Friendship Baptist Church. The early church, the first church, you know what, what we read about that church? Daily, people were being added to it. Now, let's be a church that the Lord is adding to regularly. So in addition to 20 salvations, also 20 baptisms. If we have 20 salvations, the baptism shouldn't be that hard, right? But let's take 20 people through the baptismal waters this year and celebrate the new life that they have experienced in Christ. And then the last one is 40 additions. How do you come up with 40 additions? 20 plus 20 equals 40. Taking 20, 20, 40 additions. We've already had several go through our new members class this year, and I've already um, gone through that first step of becoming members of Friendship Baptist Church. And I know that there's others that are on um, looking at making friendship their church home as well. So let's celebrate these things. Now, I know that you're, some of you may be thinking, man, well, we can't manipulate numbers. And I agree we can't manipulate numbers. But you know what we can be? We can be obedient to the Great Commission, right? We can go out and we can share the good news of salvation with those that we come in contact with. We can go out and, and preach the gospel. We can go out and share one-on-one with other people. And, 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 man, let's pray that God will honor our conversations. And if someone doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they'll come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray for the hundreds, if not thousands of people in our communities that are not part of a church already, that they'll come and make Friendship Baptist Church their church home. If this isn't where they're leading, let's help lead them to a church because the greater church is, is, is just as important as the local church, right? How many of you think that this is something that we can do? You think so? I, mean, I think it's something that we can do, but it's going to take all of us doing it, right? It's going to take all of us kind of getting intentional, knowing our neighbors, knowing um, those that, you know, we do life with, whether that's at the gym or at our schools or at um, our places of employment or the grocery store. I think this is something that we can do. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to be actively sharing my faith. I'm going to be actively encouraging people to get plugged in to the church. And I pray that you will ask the Lord to lead you to do the same. You know, when we do the word and we put the word into practice, you know what happens? Lives are changed, right? Lives are forever changed by the good news that is found within God's word. Let's take this good news, this great news, this best news to those that have no clue of this news so that they can receive it and be changed by it. I think that's something that we can do. But it's going to take all of us being active and sharing and getting intentional and getting out of our comfort zone, really, right? And that's, it's, it, it is uncomfortable sometimes to share our faith. You know why? Because we're afraid that we're going to be rejected, right? Nobody likes rejection. But guess what? Jesus was rejected, wasn't he? And if Jesus is our model, if we're called to be like him, then yeah, there's going to be times that we're going to be rejected. But guess what else? There's going to be times when people are going to accept what we have to say. So let's be active about being doers of the word.
Let's be intentional about sharing the plan of salvation. Man, if one person comes to Christ this Lord, praise this year, praise the Lord. If a hundred people come to Christ this year, praise the Lord. As long as we're intentional out doing the work, God's going to honor that. And I believe that with all of my heart. This morning, as we conclude our time together, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And as you stand um, this morning, you know, I don't know how the Lord would lead you to respond to this message. You know, you may be here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you now, the, the, the best way for you to respond to this message is to respond to the invitation that Jesus is giving you to become a follower of his. And the Bible is very clear. We do that when we repent of our sins and when we cry out to Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives. And if we do that, the Bible says that we will be saved. You may be here this morning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to make that great decision the best decision that you would ever make. You may be here this morning, the Lord is leading you to make Friendship Baptist Church your church home. If that's the case, we'd love for you to come this morning and begin that process. I don't know what decision you need to make, but I'm gonna pray if the Lord is leading you, you come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to come around your word together and to sing praise to you. Father, I know that this morning's message, Lord, um, Father, has some specific challenges within it. Father, you are calling us to something. First of all, you're calling us to hear your word and to do your word and to put your word into practice. And Father, you also are calling us to be about the Great Commission. Father, we were saved by you and set apart by you and commissioned by you to go. And so, Father, may we be obedient and go. And go and share the good news of salvation. Go and see that those that haven't yet been baptized are baptized and experience. Father, just the visual cleansing of what happens in a person's life when they are buried with Christ in the likeness of his death so that they may rise to walk in the newness of life. Father, just help us to be obedient to the command of yours to go. Lord, I pray this morning that you will just move during this time of invitation. Speak to each and every one of us. We love you and we thank you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.